Let us all stand in His presence. And now let us turn in our hymnals to number 173. Christ whose glory fills the skies. Let us sing together. invite you to turn with me to page 819 in your hymnal. This is the song for those who don't sing. Uh, We will read responsibly Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. The Lord sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Let them praise your great and wondrous name. Holy is the Lord. Mighty ruler, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at the Lord's footstool. Holy is the Lord. Moses and Aaron were among God's priests. Samuel also was among those who called on God's name. They kept God's testimonies and the statutes God gave them. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. This is the day of transfiguration. But we go back to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, to learn something about this from Exodus 34, verses 29 through 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two covenant tablets in his hand, Moses didn't realize that the skin of his face shone brightly because he had been with, been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw the skin of Moses' face shining brightly, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called them closer. 
So Aaron and all the leaders of the, of the community came back to him. And Moses spoke with them. After that, all the Israelites came near as well. And Moses commanded them everything that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went into the Lord's, into the Lord's presence to speak with him, Moses would take the veil off until he came out again. When Moses came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see that the skin of Moses' face was shining brightly. So Moses would put the veil on his face again until the next time he went in to speak with the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. And to the math, to the gospel, whoops, to the gospel of Luke. Luke 9 verses 28 through 43. Now this begins about eight days after and uh, the after is when Jesus had been talking to them about uh, what it meant to be his disciple. Willingness to lose their life in order to find it. So we begin with verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said these things to his to about eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and see his and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We, we should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed him overshadowed them and they entered as they entered the cloud they were overcome with awe then a voice from the cloud said this is my son my chosen one listen to him even as the voice spoke Jesus was found alone they were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen the next day when Jesus Peter, John, and James had come down from the mountain. A large crowd met Jesus. A man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to take a look at my son, my only child. Look, a spirit seizes him, and without any warning, he screams. It shakes him and, and causes him to foam at the mouth. It tortures him and rarely leaves him alone. 
I begged your disciples to throw it out, but they couldn't. Jesus answered, you faithless and crooked generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him down and shook him violently. Jesus spoke harshly to the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. Everyone was overwhelmed by God's greatness. Again, the word of God for the people of God. God. Is that enough for us today? We, uh, we hear the story of Moses up to the mountain. And he comes back after speaking with God. And I think it's interesting. He's got those two stone tablets. And when he comes back, his face is shining. So uh, he begins to tell Aaron and, and the other priests. And then to tell the people what God has, has shared with him. And what God has told him. Now, it's, it's hard to tell where we go from Ten Commandments to 600 and some odd commandments to keep the commandments. But, you know, the law rapidly expanded. Uh, some of it was just survival in the wilderness. And some of it was later establishment of, of a kingdom and a community. It's just my bulletin. It's not my notes. Um, so uh, so we so we have this this ancient story of Moses on Mount Sinai receiving the law and uh, even after that as he as he talks with God his his face continues to shine boy it'd be nice if there was something so convincing wouldn't it if uh if y'all could just look at me and know that what I was speaking came straight from God, wouldn't it be great? Words, words often get in the way. And uh, so uh, we, we continue to, to wonder about the laws of God and the rules for our lives. And we need to remember from time to time that uh, Jesus and, and the New Testament church has, has taught us that it's, it's not the, the role of the laws to make us perfect. They're just simple rules to live by. So that we get along with one another. And so that we try to stay closer in living the way God wants us to live. Now, up on another mountain, sort of late in Jesus' ministry, he and Peter, John, and James. It seems awkward because I always think Peter, James, and John. But uh, the three with Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. At some point in those prayers, they, they, they saw Jesus changing. It, it wasn't just his face. It, it, was, it was the clothes he was wearing. And suddenly, you know, he was just shining brightly. And they looked and, and there were Moses and Elijah. Now you understand, you've heard this story many times. 
Moses because he represents the law. Elijah because he represents the prophets. And, and so Peter says, oh, let us build three buildings here. Three sanctuaries, three shrines. Jesus says no. Maybe it's because Peter wanted to build three shrines that Jesus said no. Because you know, as the cloud came on and as the voice spoke, Moses and Elijah disappeared. And Jesus stood alone. Maybe Jesus said no to the shrines just because there's only one left standing. There's only one in whom we put our trust and confidence. There's only one from whom we learn. And the whole law and all the prophecies of the Old Testament have been redefined and refined in Him, in Jesus, Savior and Lord. Oh, we still struggle, you know, with those sins. And if you know, if you need a list, ten's pretty good. Paul, some of the other New Testament writers, they'll give different lists from time to time, and. Uh, it's it's interesting how in the in the formation of the church at first, you know, they wanted to uh, welcome the the uh, Gentiles, so uh, they said, "Come on in." And then the people in Jerusalem, the headquarters, said, oh, "They got to obey the food. They got to obey the food instructions. They can't eat, you know, what others are eating." Then Paul would say, "Well, that's not that, that doesn't matter to me. There's nothing kosher now." thing is to, to guard the other person's faith and attitude. If they think it's bad to eat sin that's been offered to idols, and I think it's okay, I'll just be more careful when I'm with them so that I don't upset them and, and destroy their faith. And uh, then, of course, you know, the, the dietary laws are one thing that passed pretty quickly, and then the sex laws... You know, we're all supposed to live pure, wholesome lives. In the, in the New Testament, the veil has been lifted. In more ways than two. You know, it's not just the veil over Moses' face. You know, he would, uh, he would lift his veil when he talked to God. And then so as not to scare the congregation, he put the veil back on when he was speaking with them. Jesus was in the cloud and in the glory and uh, Moses and Elijah stood with him and then they were gone. The cloud lifted and the disciples saw just Jesus. That's all they needed. That's all God intended. That was enough for them. Let me read you a little bit of Paul's instruction on this, though. In 2 Corinthians 3, picking up with verse 12, I'll read a little bit into uh, chapter 4. So, since we have such a hope, now, you know, uh, Paul is, is already talking about the hope we have in, in Jesus Christ for living this, this life of faith. 
So since we have such a high, such a hope, we act with great confidence. We aren't like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites couldn't watch the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. Now, Paul's interpreting the Old Testament or the scripture of his day. He doesn't say that in Exodus, but, you know, he, he's, he's using it for, for his purposes. Right up to the present day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. The veil is not removed because it is taken away by Christ. Even today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever someone turns back to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is why we don't get discouraged given that we received this ministry in the same way that we received God's mercy. Instead, we reject secrecy and shameful actions. We don't use deception and we don't tamper with God's word. The word of God for the people of God. It's, it's a very practical thing. Very, very practical. The veil is lifted just as these cloths are lifted. Just as the bread is uncovered. The veil is lifted. Now, I, I appreciate our United Methodist Wesleyan heritage because John Wesley made it clear that anybody is welcome at this table. Anybody can handle the sacrament of Holy Communion as long as they desire to be at peace with God and at peace with one another. That's it. You don't have to be a Christian. Now, Wesley's hope and, and, and actuality was that this holy sacrament becomes a conversion experience for those who come with that kind of desire and that kind of faith and trust. We don't make ourselves perfect. None of us is good enough. But the veil is lifted and it's God who invites and it's God who receives and God who accepts and God who feeds us. The invitation is to all in this house, and even all those outside this house. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your invitation to Holy Communion. We thank for you for your acceptance of us as we are, and for your Spirit, which can cleanse and renew and set us right.
We're thankful for an opportunity to share our our concerns and uh, for many that are left unspoken and for the ones we have named. We would be your messengers of peace and we would be your hands of healing if you would send us to those persons. Receive our gifts and may they be used in your service to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a sweet, sweet spirit. Mm-hmm. 